Good to see you if you're joining us today. Welcome. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you so much that we were able to gather here this morning. And thank you for those now joining us. Thank you for those listening later. We thank you for the, the coming together of the saints, the assembling together to build each other up. We do thank you for the local church. Hallelujah. We love you. We praise you, Father. And thank you that we are now going to delve into your word. Thank you for the scriptures. Thank you that they are breathed of you. Thank you that they are your words to us right through the time period. Thank you that it's as relevant today as it was when it was written. Thank you, Father. We love you and we praise you. We just speak our understanding in the mighty name of Jesus. Understanding so that seed we're about to plant will not be stolen. Understanding so that seeds will grow and produce fruit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. I can hear that thing starting. Well, I need to put it out. Put it out of its misery, I think. Anyway, hallelujah. Turn with me to chapter 8 of the Gospel of John. Chapter 8 of John. I am being selective about what I preach on as I'm going through this series called Simply Jesus. I've kind of fallen into going through the book of John. Um, I read chapter 7. I didn't feel led to preach from it. I might go back. I don't know. But I'm, all, I'm reading chapter 7. I'm always knowing what's at the start of chapter 8. And it's my favourite. One of my favourites. So, um, yeah. Simply Jesus, how could we subtitle it? Jesus killing religion. Let's call it that. Eh? Um, I'm, I'm loving this series. Being really blessed by it. I hope you are too. Um, what I'm loving about it is I'm looking at all these familiar accounts because I, I love the book of John. I'm always preaching for the book of John. But we're seeing it in a new light just now. We're seeing it in this light of Jesus ending religion. We're seeing it in this, this sort of newer and deeper revelations. Looking for typology. That's what I like. Looking for typology from these familiar accounts. That was a window. We'll just, just wait a minute till, uh, till we get back. Okay. My jacket's there if anyone wants it. No. My new scarf, if anyone wants it. You want a scarf? Get out of the scarf and then we'll start again. I can't, I can't, I'm live. See, I can't stop and start. It's all right. Hallelujah. That's a nice one. Yeah, that's a Lisa one. Yes, looking at these familiar accounts, a new light, and I'm looking for typology in everything, and I'm finding it. It's great. And I was, I was reading this passage, John 8 at the start, John 8, 1 to 11. And I was reading it before communion on Monday night. I started to get really excited because I saw it again. Guess what John 1, John 8, 1 to 11 is all about? Jesus coming to end religion. Fantastic. Jesus taking away acceptance through performance. That's what religion is. Jesus also taking away the focus on sin. And I don't know about you guys, but what I've seen in the past in church 
is the religious and those of the religious mindset, all they seem to be interested in is sin. But normally not theirs. Other, everyone else's sin. They seem to want to focus in on other people's sin. And that's exactly what the Pharisees are doing here. But once again, we see Jesus taking performance out of the equation. Just removing that completely. Removing the striving, removing the working, removing the need to do in order to be accepted and blessed. And instead, replacing it with compassion, acceptance, and rest in and through him. And I'm just, I'm just loving this. So, John 8, chapter, uh, verse 1. Jesus went unto the Mount of Olives. And early in the morning, he came down into the temple, and all the people came unto him, and he sat down and taught them. And, and, and the scribes and the Pharisees wouldn't have liked that, because he wouldn't be teaching their doctrine. And the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery, and when they had set her in the midst, they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? And then they would have sat back, all cocky and arrogant, and we've smug and we've got to get this down but they, they hadn't this they said tempting him that they might have to accuse him but Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not so when they continued asking him he lifted up himself and said unto him he that is without sin among you let him first cast a stone at her and again he stooped down and wrote on the ground and they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? And she said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Ah, oh, love it. Those of you that come regularly know I love this account. Um, but when I knew I was going to preach on it and I started studying through it on Monday night, uh, I was just reading this passage with a new excitement. And this new mindset I've got now of, what are you going to show me this time, Lord? What are you going to show me new this time? Now, I love this because it's a picture of compassion. It's a picture of mercy, a picture of his acceptance, a picture of his love. And I'm going to cover all of that, but there's so much more. This, too, is a picture of the end of religion. But just as I was sitting there this morning, it's also a picture of his finished work. It's a picture of his death and resurrection. Sorry, a picture of his birth, his death, and his resurrection. I'm quite, I think... That's what I got this morning. So I'll try and fit that in somewhere because it's exciting me. But it's a picture of the end of religion, showing a new way, a better way, a way through Jesus. So let's look at what's happening here. Let's, let's paint a picture. As myself and Pauline do, we try and see what's going on. I'll shut my eyes. What is going on? What do I see here? What's happening? So the scribes and the Pharisees, um, the religious with a religious mindset. That's who they are. The religious with a religious mindset. 
trying to set trap for Jesus. What they're trying to do is trying to get him to break the law or contradict what he's been teaching. So they think they've got this situation. And whatever he does, whatever Jesus does here, we can get him on one of these things. Because he's either going to say, no, don't stone her and go against the law. Or say, yes, stone her and go against the message of grace that he's been teaching. So one way or another, they've got him, is what they think. See, they're trying to get rid of Jesus by trying to ruin his credibility. That's what they're attempting here. And I, and I see this all the time today. People trying to ruin the credibility. Religious Christians with a religious mindset trying to ruin the credibility or to discredit the Andrew Womacks and Joseph Princess, Hillstones, whoever of this world, Bethel, trying to discredit them. See if you can destroy the credibility of a, a teacher or a pastor or a preacher, you can remove that dangerous doctrine of grace. And that's what people are doing. I'm not putting myself in the same light as Andrew Womack, Joseph Prince, and all that. But I've experienced that too. That guy's running a cult. That guy's starting a cult over there. Is he even a real minister? What's his qualifications? Trying to discredit the biggie. Whose umbrella of accountability is he under? I'll tell you whose umbrella I'm under. Jesus Christ. Amen. Anyway, so they're trying to discredit him, and it's still going on today. Picture the scene. I did it yesterday, and I'm getting to be a bit of a big softie, I have to admit to you. So there was three times yesterday I'm preparing for the sermon, and I suddenly realize I'm in tears because of this account. Just thinking about it now, this this woman, again, so insignificant and so worthless, we don't get her name. I'm starting to think, that's deliberate, showing the insignificance of this woman. Dragged out in public, ridiculed, stained, thrown at the feet of Jesus, you know, just taken out, dragged out. The way I see it, you know, you, you can read the Greek. There's some contradictions to what I'm saying here. But the way I see it, and the way it's always portrayed, is she's on her knees. You know, just thrown down. Or lying with her hands on the ground. Waiting to be killed. Waiting to be stoned. Another insignificant woman being used and abused. Now, I know it doesn't say it explicitly, but she was set up. I'm absolutely sure she was set up. And in that sense, she's being used and abused by powerful men, religious men. I've said it before, you know, used and abused because it takes two to tango. 
yeah, I hadn't noticed that for a while, you know, but it takes two to tango. Taken in the very act of adultery, you can't commit adultery on your own. We all know that. We all know that. Where's the bloke? Some people think he's standing in with the Pharisees in the religious mindset. Some people think he's one of them. Might be that somebody was paid to do it. I don't know what. But if they were, if she was caught in the very act, where's he? Stone him as well. I don't know why the guy's there. Anyway, what I see from these religious people with a religious mindset is disgusting behavior. You know, at its best, heartless and cruel. Yeah? Heartless and cruel. And I'm just going to get it out there. Religion is heartless and cruel. And a lot of people I see with a religious mindset are heartless and cruel. And it's not nice. More interested in the sin than the person. And I've told you this a few times recently as well, but my personal instructor, my personal trainer, was shocked and surprised in the gym one day when I'm working away and he's spouting off. And I agreed with him that I hate religion. What? You're a minister. Yep, hate religion. Detest it. It is a perversion of the gospel. And it's heartless and cruel. That's religion. There's been so much hurt and evil delivered in this world in the name of religion. And, and, and I can see, you know, I'm not surprised we have the Fries and the Dawkinses and the Hitchens. Is that his name? What's the guy? Anyway, another guy who, who speak out against religion. Good on them, as I say. But um, and, and what we have in this account, I've got to say, is one of the ugliest examples of religion in the world. These scribes, these Pharisees, these religious men with their religious minds, because they were all men, none personally against us, Stuart and Josh, but they're all men, willing to use this woman and see her die to have a go at Jesus who we now see has come to end religion. It's vile, it's evil, even more than cruel and heartless. You know, I've said it already, this woman is unnamed, again, so insignificant, just a pawn to be used by the Pharisees. Trying to use her to try and make a point. She has been used, she has been abused. So that made me cry. Because just to see another a human being being used like that, it's just awful. And we believe this book, don't we? We believe this is real. She went through that. And how long did they have her captured, you know, before they dragged her out into public? And what was just awful. But anyway, I saw something beautiful. Verse 6. And they said, tempting him that they might have to accuse him. This they said. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto him, he that is without sin among you, let him 
first cast a stone at her. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Now, in these three verses, more often than not, the teacher, the preacher will focus on what he wrote. Yeah? That, and, and no one can tell us what that is for definite. Uh, lots of views, lots of suggestions. It was the, He was writing the law. He was writing the Ten Commandments. He was writing the sins of the Pharisees. No one can know for certain, but in this picture, for me, it's irrelevant. Now, it's interesting, and there's been some great revelations out there. And, and actually, I got a message from Sean during the week, uh, linking it to something in numbers, that Sean was saying, I think this is what he's writing. And that was just a coincidence. But, and that was fascinating. It was wonderful. But it's, I don't want to focus on that today. That's not that... Um, I don't want that to be the focus. It's what he's writing is almost irrelevant. But I saw something new yesterday, a new picture, a new type and shadow. And this brought me to tears, but in a good way. So Jesus had to write on the ground. What, what did he have to do? So he's down like that. And then he gets up. And then he goes down again. And he's writing. Now, what I saw when I pictured this was all the religious bigots standing. All the Pharisees and, and the crowds. I, I saw the woman down. And we kind of see that all the time. The dirty, rotten sinner, the woman taken in adultery, down. All the bigots, religious, standing up. And Jesus, perfect, Jewish man, lowers himself to the same level as her. It was like him talking to the Samaritan woman at the well. He shouldn't have done that. And he shouldn't have equated himself to the woman either. That's even worse. It's a picture of him getting down to her level. What Jesus is saying, as he gets down to her level, as he equates with himself, as he identifies with her, what he's saying is this, and he's speaking to the Pharisees and all that as well. He's saying, yes, 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 I know the law. I know the law. I know the scripture. I know what you're saying, guys. I get it. Yes, I know there needs to be judgment. I know there needs to be a death. I know there needs to be bloodshed. But he's saying, not today. And not her. Not today. And not her. And we have hindsight. And we have the rest of scripture. And we know what he is implying. He's saying, yes, there needs to be judgment. Yes, there needs to be death. Yes, there needs to be bloodshed. But that's going to be another day. And it's going to be me. Amen. Jesus stooping down, probably on his knees, is such a powerful picture. Powerful typology. And it's for us. He's lowering himself to the same level of sinful man. He's lowering himself to the level of sinful 
humanity to take on that sin and that punishment and that death. And that's stunning. He's saying it's not about mankind anymore. It's not about their performance or their sin. It's now about me and what I'll do. Getting down, putting the focus on him. What's he doing? Now, what, oh, what's he doing? Why is he kneeling down? What's he writing on the ground? The focus is now on him. And the focus is away from the woman. That's just come to me, that. And, of course, for us, the other side of the cross, it's now all about what he has done. Back then, it's all about what I'm going to do. But now it's all about what he's done. It's not about what we can or cannot do. It's not about religious performance. It's not about being punished or blessed because of how good or bad we are. That's gone. Religion's dead. It's now grace. It's now all about him and what he's done. And when I was sitting there this morning in the second song, oh, my goodness. The Lord just was saying to me, now Jesus lowering himself down twice, and then rising up again is a picture of his birth, his death, and his resurrection. When did Jesus, as it lower himself down? He lowered himself when he came to earth as a baby. And he lowered himself when he went into the grave. But he didn't stay there. He rose again. Now, you could, well, what about the writing? Well, it could have been the law. It could have been the Ten Commandments. Yeah, he fulfilled them. It could have been people's sin. Yeah, but he dealt with them. So whatever he was writing, it's almost irrelevant. He dealt with it. He fulfilled the law. He dealt with sin. But going down once the first time, that's a picture of him coming from heaven, from glory, and lowering himself to the same level as us. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And then the second time he lowered himself, like Pauline said, that was when he spoke about this morning. That's when he went into the grave. He didn't stay there for long. He raised himself up. So it's a picture. It's, it's pictures on so many levels. It's lowering himself to come down to earth, lowering himself to the level of humanity to deal with whatever he's writing about. And it's finished. And then he raises himself up again. And then what does he offer the woman? Grace. And that's what he's given us. What Jesus is offering the woman, he's offering to us. He's offering acceptance, not based upon performance. John 8, 10 and 11. Oh. When Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, see, once Jesus lifted himself up, this is great, I'm loving just getting the sermon as I'm starting to preach about it. As Jesus stood up, his work done, where were all the religious people? Gone. Religion's finished. Pharisees have gone. There's none left. Religion's gone. Dead. Or it should be. And then what's left? Who's left? Jesus and the woman. Relationship. One to one. Oh, this is good stuff, Spirit. Amen. This is a good sermon. Just Jesus and her relationship. And he comes down and speaks to her. Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? And she said, no man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, I love that, no man, Lord. She recognizes who he is. Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Awesome. 
told you this many times before, but the order of what Jesus says there is very important. And it kicks religion in the teeth, that, that order. John 1.17 tells us that grace and truth came by Christ Jesus. This is grace speaking here. John 8.11, that is grace speaking. I, I don't condemn you. Dirty, rotten, I mean, adultery. You know, if we were, if we were drunk in sin, according to how bad it was, it's up near the top, eh? I don't condemn you. Why? Because the finished work of Jesus Christ, sin's been dealt with. This Jesus going down twice and up, it's a bit like the picture of Jesus going under the baptismal water and coming back up. It's a picture of sin's, sin's done with, sin's finished. In the eyes of being accepted by God. Now, it's not good for us. I keep telling you that. It's not good for us on this earth. And that's why Jesus says, neither do I condemn thee. Oh, by the way, I suggest for a good life that you don't sin anymore. But it's not a prerequisite of acceptance. This is grace speaking here. I don't condemn you. I accept you. I, I'm going to give you mercy and compassion and love and grace. And I'm going to give you, give you all that. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Now, go and sin no more. Acceptance, then performance. That's the opposite of religion. Religion says you perform and God will love you. You perform and God will be good for you. You get rid of that sin and God might heal you. That's religion. Nonsense. I, I made a mistake of watching a YouTube clip yesterday while I was preparing for this. I was looking to see if I could find the, this account in The Chosen. And I thought I'd find it and I clicked on it, but it was a different video. And I'm sitting there watching it, and it was great. It was really good. It followed the scriptures. And I loved it. It showed Jesus holding a stone and saying, you who are without sin, cast the first stone. And I liked him holding the stone because he was the only one worthy of being able to cast a stone. And all the Pharisees would drop their stones and tool off of their tails between their legs. Uh, and I loved that. And then he dropped his stone. He went over, lifted the woman up. They were both standing, looking at each other. Put his hands on her face. And he looked in her eyes and he said, go and sin no more. And they, they missed it. They missed the, I don't condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Just focusing on a sin. Never mind. It just shows that every word in here is vital. And Jesus said unto her, grace and truth said unto her, neither do I condemn thee, go and sin no more. That, that's grace. Because that's, what, that's what's here now. Jesus is grace. Where's all the religion? Where's all the religious? They've gone, they've slunk off, knowing they, they can't do what they want to do. Not needed anymore. Just gone. Remember that video of John Lennox that I showed you about uh, in Bible study a few weeks ago? Religion says you achieve acceptance at the end on the, basement, on the basis of an assessment of merit. I love that. Acceptance at the end on your performance. Performance before acceptance. Jesus here is offering acceptance before any good performance. He's, off, he's actually offering acceptance 
off the back of horrendous performance. But that's not relevant anymore because he's dealt with it or, or he's going to deal with it. The picture is he's dealt with it. See, there's no, there's, there's no doubt the woman was a sinner. Jesus never denied that either. You see, I'm pretty sure the Pharisees would have got this right. If they were trying to trap Jesus, they wouldn't have just dragged any woman out of the crowd and said, oh, here's an adulterer. Oh, no, she did it. There's no doubt in my mind about that. Yet Jesus gets to her level, accepts her as a human being, as a person, warts and all, and identifies with her. And in a way identifies with her sin, because he was was going to take that on the cross. Whose sin did he deal with? Propitiation? Not only ours, but for the sins of the whole world. Now, he doesn't accept her sin. He doesn't accept her lifestyle. He doesn't say, aha, it's okay. That's all right. Don't worry about doing that. That's okay. On, On your way. Fill your boots. No, he says, go and sin no more. But after, after acceptance, this is not grace. I'm going to love saying this because I get accused of this so often. This is not grace giving her a license to sin. That's just a lie. That's not what he does. He accepts her as an individual, accepts her as a person, and then says, now, now that we're, we're in a relationship, I don't condemn you, but that would be a really good idea. Go and sin no more. Because see, out of his acceptance will come performance. Out of what he has done, out of his goodness, out of what he has made us, will come performance of a steward called 1008 Fruits. It reminded me of 1 Corinthians 15.34. But a lot of believers don't seem to know. And the word actually says, don't know that, you should be ashamed. 34, and I'm really thankful. Um, I've got this underlined. That must be in my grace period. And starred. 1 Corinthians 15, 34. Awake to righteousness and sin not. Awake to the fact that you're a dirty sinner and sin not. No. Sit there week after week and be reminded by your pastor about your sin and sin not. No. Awake to righteousness and sin not. For some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. If you're not basing your life on his performance and his righteousness that is now your righteousness, shame on you. Shame on you, prideful, trying to do it on your own. Being told you're a sinner, being reminded of your sin, will not result in less sin. Based on this many times. We'll get back to our old bananas again. Because I can't preach about real sin or somebody always thinks I'm having a go at them. But you know, if I was talking banana, 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 I'd help, I actually had a really good banana for my breakfast. It's absolutely delicious. What are you going to have for your lunch? I would suggest a banana. Bananas are great. But you know, 
we joke, you know, if bananas were being banned and I was to tell you you're not allowed a banana, you can only buy bananas in brown paper bags and blah, blah, blah off the top shelf, half of you would be going out to buy bananas. What you're reminded about is what you focus on. You're righteous, righteous, righteous. That's what you focus on. Oh, but I did this yesterday. But yeah, but you're righteous. Yeah, I'm actually planning doing this tomorrow. Yeah, but you're righteous. That is what, well, that's what the Bible says. I'm not making this up. Awake to righteousness and sin not. Now, the horrendous thing is, there are versions that remove the sin not. That's the main point of this verse. Anyway, realizing that God has accepted you, realizing that God loves you for who you are. Now, not that, not that sinful things that you do in the flesh, but the real you in the spirit. Perfect, sinless, saint, just like Jesus. That's who God sees. You realize that God loves you for who you are. And realizing that God Almighty has lowered himself to your level. Gone through what you're going through and more. For you. That's what will see less sin in our lives. That will anoint you. Allow you to live a life with less sin. The more you understand about Jesus. The more you focus on him. The more you understand about what he's done. The more sorry, we. The more we understand about what he's done. The more we get into the word. The more we realize what he's made us. As a gift of grace through faith. That will allow us to have less sin in our lives. And that is exactly what Jesus did for the woman taken in adultery. Acceptance, then performance. Acceptance, then expect less sin. Religion demands performance. Grace anoints you for performance. It's a big difference. The order in this verse is important. Religion says performance results in acceptance. Grace says performance come because of acceptance. Amen. And this is another account, and another account, yet another account in John where Jesus is saying religion is dead. Where were the Pharisees? Dissipated. Gone. Like rats from a sinking ship. That's good. I like that. Just The Pharisees just went Religion disappeared. The Pharisees were pointing out the sin of the woman. Jesus was pointing out his acceptance of the woman. He wasn't condoning the sin. He wasn't accepting it. He was accepting her. And in the typology, he's pointing out his identification with our sinful state and showing that he would deal with it. Provide us with what we need, including acceptance. See, religion points out sin. Grace points out acceptance. Grace points out mercy, compassion. I mentioned something similar to this kind of last week when I received the offering. The law, religion, demands a tithe. And remember for a while I used to keep saying, take the offering. And you would always remind me. I've got into know we receive an offering. But religion takes a tithe. 
ten percent. Well, actually, if you study out the scriptures, it's probably more like thirty-three and a third percent. Some actually think it's forty-three percent. But uh, the religious stick to ten. But grace does not demand. Grace talks about being a cheerful giver. Grace talks about not giving with your arm twisted up your back. See, grace changes your heart. Grace makes you so grateful that some people end up giving more than 10%. Some people don't realize how much they're giving. Couldn't work out a percentage because they just give. They just give whatever and whenever. Religion demands performance. Grace anoints you for performance. That's, yeah, religion demands it. Grace delivers us the opportunity to generate fruit. Works of righteousness. Works of love. And I'm not against works. Just the right ones for the right motives. Jesus came to end religion. This is a theme that's going on and on through John. An end to working, an end to striving for what you want and need from God. Jesus came to provide all we need. Standing this side of the cross, post-cross, we now have it all. We have it all. Forgiveness and reconciliation. That could be a good definition of acceptance. And we know we have forgiveness and reconciliation. The word tells us that. God's reconciled us to him through the finished work of Jesus Christ. God has forgiven everyone. Forgiveness and reconciliation has flowed. In a sense, Jesus has stood and said to everyone on earth, I don't condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Standing this side of the cross, we now have it. Forgiveness and reconciliation, acceptance, and as a gift of grace through faith, I mean salvation and righteousness. As my mum would say, we've got nothing coming over us. We've got nothing we need. It's just amazing. All, But all through him and all through what he's done. Amen. Hallelujah.